It's week three of the Oklahoma State quarterback carousel, and who gets to start this week? I'm Matt Jordan. Welcome into the Pokes Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And as we head into this week three matchup, the last of the out-of-conference matchups, Oklahoma State is at 2-1 and one and is looking for their third win. That would be as many as we've seen quarterbacks play in the last two games, as there has still not been a front-runner that has edged themselves out to taking over this starting job. Week one, Garrett Rangel got the start. Alan Bowman came in halfway through, and Gunnar Gundy got the close. Last week, Alan Bowman gets the start. Gunnar Gundy gets the middle, and Garrett Rangel came in to close. So this week, you only have to assume that Gunnar Gundy gets the start, Garrett Rangel will get the middle, and Alan Bowman will come in to close. And if we see something different from that, I'll be surprised because that's just been the pattern that Gundy's gone with. So far, through those first two games, Alan Bowman is 24 of 40 for 193 yards, no touchdowns. Garrett Rangel is 16 of 24 for two touchdowns, one interception, and 164 yards. Gunnar Gundy is 12 of 16 for 138 yards and a touchdown. So what sticks out to me from the first two games from those statistics alone? One, Alan Bowman has as many pass attempts as Garrett Rangel and Gunnar Gundy do combined. So clearly, when Alan Bowman has been in the game, the game script has been to pass more. Now Bowman just setting at about 60% completion percentage, honestly the worst of the three, but he has the most attempts. Bowman, no picks. But no touchdowns either. He also leads the team in yards, but really not by enough In as far as the discrepancy. I mean, 16 more pass attempts than Garrett Rangel, 24 more pass attempts than Gunnar Gundy, and Gunnar has been more efficient than Bowman, and Rangel outside of the pick, you could argue, has been more efficient. So Rangel has the two touchdowns, Gunnar has one, Bowman has zero. Bowman and Gunner, neither one have interceptions. Garrett Rangel has the interception. Bowman is a 60% completion percentage. Rangel a 66% completion percentage. And Gunner Gundy a 75% completion percentage. So what do these numbers tell me? Nothing. They tell me nothing. I still don't know who Mike Gundy is going to pick as the starting quarterback. And when you look at game flow and what the games have looked like, under each one of these guys in this different each time they've played in the first two games. Rangel did not look great week one. He threw the interception. He kept that game close. Bowman just kind of played okay in that week one, which is kind of expected, or which is expected, because he hadn't played really football much the last two seasons. Gunner Gunny looked the best week one. He was the most efficient in the least amount of attempts, just five of seven scored the touchdown, played nice uh, in the start for the Cowboys. When you look at when was the offense most productive under which quarterback, and the answer is not which quarterback, it's at what point is the offense most productive. And when you look at the first two games, the quarterback that finished the game saw the most productivity and saw that was the point where the game pulled away. Gunnar Gundy, week one, that game was very close, and Oklahoma State wins it by two touchdowns. Week two, that game is close. Oklahoma State pulls away, wins by 12 points, two touchdowns, essentially. 
Now, it wasn't necessarily just the quarterback doing it. Week one, when it was Gunnar Gundy, it was a lot of the run game. Week two also included a lot of the run game. And so for me, it seems whatever the play calling is at the end of the game is setting up for the quarterbacks to have the best performance to coincide with the offense having the best performance. And I don't know specifically what is, do- being, what is being done or what is happening to, for that to be the case. And so to me, that doesn't say one of these quarterbacks is better than the other. Clearly, by the sheer number of attempts and amount of passing work you're giving Bowman compared to the other two, it would lean that you trust Bowman more. Gundy had seven pass attempts for 32 yards. Rangel had nine pass attempts for 46 yards. Bowman had as many as those two combined for 113 yards. So much more dynamic in his than his first game. In his first game, he didn't look good. He actually had less yards than the other two, despite the more pass attempts. A long of 20. So Bowman, as he gets more and more comfortable with the more passing work, has looked better and better. So in my opinion, you have to start Alan Bowman. I think he has to be your guy. And some people are out there, they're on the Gunnar Gundy train or on the Garrett Rangel train, and I think that's part of Mike Gundy's problem. And now, as I've watched these three quarterbacks play, I kind of understand why Gundy has had a hard time deciding who he wants to play at the quarterback position. Because no one in these games, and a lot of that maybe has to do with the fact that he's not really let them figure it out, but no one has really emerged as the guy. And that has to make it hard. And now that you've seen them all play, and you still don't know who sticks out, it, it hasn't made it any easier. And now you have what might be your toughest test in South Alabama coming to town. And you still don't know. And you're not going to be able to do this during Big 12 play. This will absolutely not fly during conference play. This shuffling and moving and back and forth, it, it will not work. So you've got to figure out something sooner rather than later as to who is going to be the starting quarterback for this team. The one thing I do know about this offense is that Ollie Gordon needs to carry the ball more. Gordon, seven carries week one, nine carries week two. He had 53 yards week two. He had the touchdown against Arizona State. He's got 97 yards on the season, two touchdowns, and 6.1 yards a carry. The running back room, also pretty intense competition-wise, all right about the same. Collins has 16 carries for 75 yards. He has a touchdown. Jaden Nix has 13 carries for 75 yards and no touchdowns. But I think Ollie Gordon is the answer at running back. He needs more touches. He needs to run the ball more than nine times a game. It was also very spread out. You, You can look at quarterback play, and you can look at the running back play and go, this team has no identity as far as who they want to be their main contributors, passing the football and running the football. Ollie Gordon, nine carries, Jaden Nixon, seven carries, and Elijah Collins, eight carries. Ollie Gordon was the only one who had a rushing touchdown with Rangel and Gunner Gunny both throwing touchdowns. Now in the wide receiver room, it's a completely different case. The top wide receivers have shown themselves. They have submitted themselves, and Oklahoma State fans are are not surprised by this. When you look at receiving, 
It is Brennan Presley, who has 10 catches for 78 yards and two touchdowns in two games. And then it is the guy that I was the most excited about getting in the transfer portal, Deshaun Stribling, 11 catches, 138 yards, and a touchdown. And then Jaden Bray, 9 catches for 118 yards, has yet to score yet. But those three guys, those are the top wide receivers, and then it's everyone else kind of shuffling in between. Stribling is a guy that I was excited about coming into this season, and I was right. He is so talented, so fun to watch, the Washington State transfer, because when you looked at his stats at Washington State, you saw a guy that could very consistently give you anywhere from four to ten receptions a game, and that is what he's doing so far. He had four catches week one. He had seven catches for 65 yards and a touchdown week two. finally scored his first touchdown of the season and has looked like the better receiver on the team with Brennan Presley right behind him as the second-best receiver on the team. And despite all the shuffling at quarterback... The receivers remain the strong point. Normally, you would wonder, with the shuffling at quarterback, you know, each guy is going to have his different guy, but that's not been the case. It's Stribling, it's Bray, and it's Brennan Presley. All very good, and luckily for those Oklahoma State quarterbacks, they have guys like that that they can rely on and they can use when they need to trust someone to pick up a big play, to pick up a first down. So heading into this South Alabama game, there's a lot of questions still on the offensive side. And if you'd have told Oklahoma State fans before the season started that they wouldn't know who their starting quarterback was heading into the third game of the season, they they would be really puzzled. They'd want to know if there were injuries, if someone got hurt, if multiple players got hurt, but that's not been the case. And when you look at the three of them perform, honestly, I, I do understand because they're all three the same. Luckily... For Oklahoma State, they're not three terrible quarterbacks. No one is great. There is not a great quarterback in this trio. But in Oklahoma State's defense, there's not a bad quarterback in this trio. I'm not a fan of Garrett Rangel, but he certainly looked a whole lot better week two against Arizona State than he did week one. And that was coming in at the end of the game. And again, I think that is part, whatever Casey Dunn is doing at the end of games, Gunnar Gundy looked his best week one when he closed out the game. Garrett Rangel looked his best week two, closing out the game. So whatever Casey Dunn is doing at the end of the games, that is what is leading to the success. And I hope they recognize that. And we'll see if that's again the pattern because I, like a lot of fans, assume that this week we will see Gunnar Gundy start, Rangel play, in the middle of the game, and Alan Bowman close. And Bowman really needs to go out if that's the case, if the play calling at the end of the game has been what has been the key to everything. Bowman goes out and really balls out. Like, he has. He's gotten the attempts. And it also could be a sense, you know, you kind of hope that you don't need to throw a lot at the end of the game because you're going to be winning. But these last two games have been close. I mean, looking at the box score, Oklahoma State, it was 15-10 at halftime. Oklahoma State would score 17 unanswered in the second half to get the 27 to 15 victory and a lot of that, you know, comes from this second half play both from Gundy and and from Rangel. So, we'll we'll see again heading into week 3, but uh, I I expect if no one shows out again or no one plays so horrible that they feel like they shouldn't be played again, that you're going to see more than one, possibly three quarterbacks play against Iowa State. 
And it's so crazy to me that I can sit here with confidence and say that against Iowa State, more than one quarterback is going to play. You may see all three quarterbacks. And to say it without any real angst in my voice, because it has worked. Has it looked pretty? Absolutely not, especially week one. It certainly looked a lot better week two, but it's still not quite there because when you're playing multiple quarterbacks, you can't find any rhythm in an offense. And when you're not handing it off to the right back, and again, it's Ollie Gordon. Ollie Gordon is the best back on this team. Give him the ball more. He he could easily be a 1,000-yard rusher for this team. He has all the tools. He is so talented. And when you look at that yards per carry average, it is just so crazy to run 6.1 yards a carry. Ollie Gordon runs the ball more and figure out the quarterback spot, and this team is going to be good. The fact that they're 2-0 is surprising to me. They could very easily be 0-2. And a big reason as to why they are 2-0 is that defense. Give Brian Nardo a hand. He has been way better, exceeded expectations, than I thought he ever would. And what he's really good at, at least in what it's looked like week one and week two, is he is very good at making adjustments. Week one, they came out, drive one, they moved the ball down the field flawlessly, did Central Arkansas, but they didn't score. And after that, Nardo's defense adjusted, and they held that Bears offense in check. They helped Oklahoma State offense by controlling the Bears offense, helped Oklahoma State's offense eventually take the lead, and control that game for Oklahoma State. Then you look at Week 2, Arizona State jumps out to a 15-0 lead. It's it's the better team that he's played, uh, coached against, uh, Nardo, and he makes the adjustments in the second half that shut Arizona out. No points scored in the second half for Arizona State. So Nardo has done a great job defensively in making adjustments to keep Oklahoma State in these games while they figure it out on the offensive side with the quarterback. And Kendall Daniels has been such a big part of that. Daniels, 10 10 solo tackles, 5 assists for 15 total tackles. He flies all over the place as the the kind of leader, the safety position, the leader of that defense. And as he goes, the rest of the team will go, and the defense has looked good. Nardo, in his first action as a Division I Power 5 defensive coordinator has has done a really good job. The defense is I think top 25 uh, ranking wise and and how they've and how good they've been. Uh so yeah, tip your hat to Nardo. He he does great adjustments and it's going to be interesting to see in Big 12 play when he gets up against some of those real dominant Big 12 offenses how he's able to make adjustments in that game. But from what I've seen, I like I like what Brian Nardo has brought to this team. It is certainly better, and it continues to get better week in and week out. So when you're looking at this game, uh, who sticks out for South Alabama? Uh, they're running back, LaDamian Webb. Uh, he has 16 carries so far in the season, but has 121 yards. That's 7.6 yards per carry. He has two touchdowns as well. And uh, they have another back that uh, totes the rock a bit as well. Uh, totes the rock for them, Kentrell uh, Bullock. He has 26 attempts for 132 yards. He has a touchdown. So they've got a couple of guys, kind of like Oklahoma State, as a few that can run the football. They do like to run the football. Looking at their passing game, Carter Bradley uh, is 42 of 56. He's two touchdowns and three interceptions. 
has been accurate. 75% completion percentage, 448 yards, 224 yards in two games. Not bad. But he is a little wild, has those three interceptions. So Oklahoma State, defensively, I think they've got a good matchup here. They will like to run the football. And then the Oklahoma State offense, uh, there's some, some good defensive backs. you got Yam Banks, who was an honorable mention All-American in 2022. Uh so we'll see how the Oklahoma State offense is able to counter uh, that defense because, uh, again, starting three quarterbacks, it really makes things uh, difficult. Um, so some of the storylines. So Oklahoma State, uh, we we saw offensive improvement. Uh, will we continue to see that for the Cowboys? Um, and someone needs to emerge at the quarterback position. Someone has to emerge this week if you want to be good and for sure have to emerge against Cyclones because right after that, it's K-State and KU. If you don't have it figured out by then, you're not going to get it figured out against those guys. For South Alabama, the game line uh, is setting at a touchdown and a, and a uh, not a touchdown and a half, but seven and a half points with Oklahoma State being at home. Um, so Oklahoma State, you know, people think they're they're at least a touchdown better than than South Alabama, and South Alabama could certainly pull the upset. It was a ten and three team last season. Eighteen starters are back. Uh, South Alabama is very good. Um, the write up this week for the predictions for South Alabama and the Oklahoma State game. Uh, Brian Clinton handled that on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Uh, he has the game twenty seven twenty one. The last two times or the last time this team faced off, Oklahoma State won it 55 to 13. That was back in 2018, and uh, Oklahoma State is 2 and 0 all time against South Alabama. South Alabama lost Week One to Tulane, and they won their Week Two matchup against Southeastern Louisiana. So Oklahoma State got got a tough team on their hands, but a team that is certainly uh, they're certainly capable of beating again. Brian Clinton's prediction was 27-21. I actually think, because I predicted Arizona State to beat Oklahoma State last week, I like enough what I've seen, especially defensively from the Cowboys. I think that they win this. I think that they cover the 7.5-point spread, and I'm going to say they win. They figure it out a little bit more on offense this week, and they win 34-24. to That's my prediction this week for Oklahoma State, a 34-24 win. I think they're up. Alabama, South Alabama kind of gets back in at the late to make it a little bit more interesting. But Oklahoma State, again, 34-24. That's my prediction for this week's game. And checklist of things I want to see. One of the quarterbacks emerge as the guy that Gundy can trust. Ollie Gordon to carry the ball a double-digit amount of times. I'd love to see a 100-yard game rushing from Ollie Gordon and a couple of tuds. I think that would really kind of set the pace for Oklahoma State, knowing that they can trust the run game. So figure it out at quarterback. Give Ollie Gordon more than single-digit carries, whether that's 10, 11, 12, 15, and I'd like to see him rush for 100 yards. So after this week, I predict the Cowboys head into conference play 3-0. and I hope they have a quarterback as we get into conference play because things are going to get ugly real quick if they don't. I'm Matt Jordan. Thanks for listening to the Pokes Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network.